customs and the boundaries of their dwelling. That's an all-powerful God. Amen. 27, so that, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope, in the hope that they may grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Thank you, God. Finally, verse 28, another familiar passage of scripture, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Thank you, Lord, for calling us yours. I've jumped ahead of myself, but thank you, Lord, for calling, us, for calling us yours. So one of the most violating crimes that people talk about, I'm sure you've seen commercials and I'm sure you've read it or seen ads on Facebook or just online, is identity theft. See, identity theft is when someone takes something that is a unique characteristic of you, unique marker of you. For example, the most common is your social security number and they open up accounts and they open up, you know, all different things under your name, but they are not you and you are not them. See, and going to the spiritual side of identity theft, and this may be just a tad bit controversial, but here for truth, amen. This is a truth-based ministry. So going to the spiritual side of things, issues begin when someone's identity is questioned because they were violated. I thought I was, but, but no, I'm going to take on this identity now because of what violated me. See, their space were violated or their minds were violated or their bodies were violated. Their peace was violated. To be completely honest, if you think about it, a lot of the trans movements are due to someone being violated because the truth was stolen from them. Something happened to cause them to forget about God. And there are some really, really, really just wretched and tyrannical things that can happen to us in our lives that people can do to us that we didn't ask for, that we were just simply at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I want to talk about the identity theft that began all the way back that causes us to forget sometimes. You see, identity theft in the spirit began back in the garden. It began back in the garden because we have Adam, we have Eve that were created by God, Eve coming out of Adam. And we know the story as our bishop so, so just delicately teaches on it and uses it for so many different points that he makes that the serpent came and deceived Eve. What actually happened is he caused her to forget her creator. You won't die. Go ahead, eat of the fruit. And as soon as she did that, as soon as she committed that sin, gave it to her husband, that's when they lost their memory of who God was. Yeah, their eyes were open to a new reality, but Truth was no longer apart. Stay with me this morning. So memory loss in the spirit is a number one cause of identity theft. 
when we can't remember our creator, when we can't remember what he promised us, when we can't remember who he called us to be. See, the enemy causes us to forget, and he doesn't just use deception now, you know, in circumstances, trials, tests, traumas, and tribulations. We can sometimes forget, and that's when the enemy comes in and steals our identity. See, an even long-term test, I'm a witness to that. And see, waiting on the sidelines when it seems like everybody else is in the game can also cause memory loss. Sometimes you've been waiting so long for something, you forget about who God really is and that his promises are true and that of yes and amen. I'm moving forward. Again, I'm just talking to you this morning. So how did our example, our Savior, our King, Jesus Christ, deal with identity theft? Very popular scripture that Bishop has been using in his teaching. Matthew chapter 4, when after Jesus fasted for 40 days, he allowed, allowed the enemy to take him up to a high place and try to tempt him. He tried to make him forget who he was. And that just shows you that the enemy may be strategic, but he's not intelligent. Because God is God, and he knows who he is. Each time the enemy threw a scripture at him in Matthew chapter 4, I'm not going to read through it for the sake of time, but at the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, each time the enemy threw a scripture at Jesus, did you notice that it wasn't the full verse? It was bits and pieces. Because yes, the enemy being formerly an angel has an understanding and knowledge of the word as well. But he did not know who he was messing with. Each time he threw a scripture, he quoted only part of it. But the Lord Jesus stood flat foot in the enemy's face and he kept stating, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Quoted the entire verse. So what am I saying? The importance of knowing the word will help you, will keep you from identity theft. It will remind you of the power of God. It will remind you of who God is. We cannot forsake the importance of the word of God. As I've said before, there has to be a word reflex coming up in us every time we face something. So that means we have to consume as much word as we possibly can. And we can never consume enough. And do you know why it's important that we consume the word? Because Jesus is the word. What defeats the enemy is not you. What defeats the, the memory loss because I, I thought I was, but now and so I'm going to take on this identity because this is who I'm comfortable with. No, what will help you cover you or protect you against the lies of the enemy is having the word on the inside. And his name is Jesus. Can we praise God in that space right there? 
I heard Bishop Alfred L. Ringer say years ago when he was referring to the scripture where Jesus went to sleep on the, in, in, in the bottom and the stern of the ship while the winds were tossing and moving the ship around and tearing it apart and everybody was afraid. They went down and they woke up Jesus. Do you know what they did? They went down and they woke up the word. You have to wake up the word of God in your life. That's how you remind yourself of who you are and who he's called you to be. But you have to think about this too, and this is, this is reality. This is the truth that God wants us to understand. God allows these times so we can have our memory restored. I've studied that people that do have problems with, you know, dementia-like symptoms and everything like that, what they do in therapy is that there are exercises that they go through Day in and day out, there's that therapy that they go through that jogs their memory. So every test, trial, trauma, circumstance that you go through is to jog your memory of what the Word says I can do and how I can overcome. Yeah, the situation may look a little bit bigger than what I expected it to be, but let me wake up the Word that's been placed on the inside of me. Let me wake up the Word. Let me wake up the Word. Let me wake up His promises. And you can't tell me who I am because I know who I am because I woke up the word. And understand this too, church, real practical this morning. Every issue that you face, it just leaves an opening. It leaves an opening. I'll put it to you like this. Many of us that like superhero movies, this, you never know what the hero is capable of doing until there's danger. There has to be, a, back in the day, a damsel in distress. There has to be somebody that's in trouble, somebody that's on the brink of death, and that's when the hero comes in. That's what Christ did for us on the cross. We were on the brink of death, being separated from him forever, but he redeemed us back by his blood. Amen. So every issue leaves an opening for God to remind us of who he is, it's just a memory exercise so we can be reminded of God. Can I give you a few examples and then I'm going to sit down. I'm sorry this isn't fire and brimstone this morning, but I just want to communicate this to you because God has been dealing with me. Amen. God bless you, First Lady. Pray for me. Let me give you some examples. Lack. We all know what lack is working so many hours and still not seeming to have enough. Or your money is going just fine, but then something happens and we know that the world is kind of in a whole tizzy regarding the economy and inflation and all these other things. And so sometimes even saints, as saints of God, we can worry just a little bit when they're cutting, when they're not cutting hours, but they're cutting pay. Bishop says this all the time, and I love how he eloquently put this and broke this down. We wake up the word and say, Psalm 23 and 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed. We are the seed. We're the spiritual seed of Abraham. But sometimes I forget who I am 
because I forget who he is. So he allowed this situation to jog my memory of how God is a provider. He shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Come on, memory, wake up and praise your God. Hallelujah. One of my favorite scriptures here that actually got me through one of the toughest financial times in my entire life is in Matthew 17. I'll just describe it to you again for the sake of time. In Matthew 17, about the 25th verse, there was a tax collector that came to Peter and says, ah, Peter, doesn't your teacher pay taxes? Peter said, yeah, yeah, he does. But he was unsure, so he went back inside to where the word was, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said, can I ask you something, Simon Peter? For whom do the kings of the earth, all the people that seem to take our money, all the bill collectors and everything, so, so whom do they tax? Who do they get their money from? Their own children or the other people? And Peter stopped and said, it's the others. Amen. You got it. So what Jesus was saying is, though you have to live and be a part of this world, you don't have to worry for a thing. He will provide. He's saying, I am there. Because what happened in that scripture, he said, listen, now that you get that Peter, go outside, go to the river, and find a fish. And it had four drachma in it. And he was able to pay the taxes for both him and Jesus. Peter was. So lack... Lack, lack is not something that is a part of your identity because Christ is a provider. Can I talk to you about frustration this morning? In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace, peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say we were going to be carefree. But he said, in this world, we will have trouble. But he also said this. He said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. So the world that you may be carrying this morning on your shoulders, the world that you may have driven in here with, the world that you think you may be going to sleep with on your mind, whatever is in front of you that's huge, Christ is still bigger. He has already overcome that world that you're fighting And he gives, I talked about peace, peace. Psalm 23 and verse 2 says, see, in all of this, while he's providing for me, because his word says, and while he's giving me peace, he also gives me rest. Because it says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me besides still waters. See, and God gave me this revelation, if I can share this with you again, just talking to you this morning, I thank you for your time and attention. Can I talk to you about grief a little bit? Last week I said that grief can come in different forms other than just mourning the loss of a loved one. But grief can come from pressure. Grief can come from frustration. This is, this is something that God showed me yesterday. Now you see, we have the disciples that were walking with Jesus face to face. And then they saw, as Bishop described, their hero, their mentor, their teacher, their master being brutally murdered on cross and bleeding out to death. So, of course, grief would set in. And along with grief comes fear and a whole lot of other things that the enemy tries to throw to make us forget. But think about this. 
He resurrected. He was in the flesh. He appeared to them. He performed miracles. And then when he ascended, he came back as the comforter. So he went from being face to face to being on the inside. Could it be that grief brings God even closer? Does that make any sense to anybody? The grief and the pain and the frustration that we feel, but now we have the comforter on the inside. Face to face, I can reach out and touch him, but now he's living on the inside of me. And then I want to talk about loss. I want to talk about loss, not just again death, but just loss in life, period. Loss, loss, loss. Now this is referring to death in John chapter 11, verse 40. See, that was just an example of the reunion that will take place in heaven as we meet those that we have lost in the air when the trumpet sounds because Jesus said, he said to Mary and Martha, he said, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe, if you would just believe. God, help us, give us the strength to keep believing. God, give us the strength, Father God, to keep repenting for not believing as Pastor Sean prayed this morning. That's just an example of the reunion because when he called Lazarus forth, they were able to embrace their brother again. But understand, Jesus was standing there in the midst. He was there. So it was them, their lost loved one, and Christ. Them, their lost loved one, and Christ. That is the reunion once that trumpet sounds that we will all be invited to if we continue to follow him. Wake up the word when those days of mourning come. And can I share with you what I needed to be reminded of? Let me get personal as I always do, that God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. No matter what is happening around me, I am not forgotten. If anybody has that, I know you don't have to tell me if you struggle with that or not, but I know in your humanness that you have, that sometimes you may have think or you have thought in the past that God has forgotten you. But Isaiah 49, verse 14 through 16 says, but Zion said, Zion is God's people. The Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me in Jesus, Lord, in the form of God at that moment. Jesus had not manifested just yet, but he turned around and said, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forgive you. See, I didn't even realize this, and it's a whole controversy, you know, and holiness. People talk about tattoos, but the Bible says that God has our names inscribed on his hands. He has our names inscribed on him. And yes, and you have to understand how big God is because when I think that I've been overlooked for something, my name is right there. When you think that somebody is treating you a certain way and there is no justice, your name is right there. See, his names, and he says that your walls are ever before you. Where you pray, where you cry out, they're ever before him. He hears, he sees, he understands. When he gives a silent count, he still hears. When he's speaking loudly and clearly to you, God still hears. He has not forgotten you, and this is all so we, he can be the hero, so God can be the hero and remind us of who he is. Therefore, getting our memory back in line so we can remember who we are. We are who we are in Christ. 
because of him. He sacrificed himself to get our identity back. And if I can quickly go back to the text this morning, think about that. What is Jesus saying in 10.10? John 10 and 10, a lot of times we focus on the first part and what the enemy wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal our identity, kill our character and even our bodies and destroy our beings. But what did Jesus say? Sometimes we put emphasis on the wrong part. Because if we look at the word and what the word is saying, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then if I can go back really quickly to the text in Acts that I read to you this morning. In Acts chapter 17 verses 24 through 28. It was how Apostle Paul, he was talking to the Greeks because the Greeks had idols set up. Yeah, they were worshiping wrong. Again, this is the early church. So what happened was he began to first tell them who God is. He made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is not a worship with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives all life and all breath and all things. And he has made one blood from every nation of men to dwell in the face of the earth. This is the God that we serve. And he has determined their times. So he knows your beginning, church, and he knows your ending. And he also has determined the boundaries of your dwellings. He also has determined the boundaries of your dwellings. Hallelujah. And we cannot exist because in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Is this helping anyone this morning? Can I say this and I'm closing? Just wanted to communicate to you this morning, we have to remember who we belong to. That is the number one resolution. That is the answer. That's what, what solve identity theft. Remember who we belong to. Isaiah chapter 43 verse one. But now thus says the Lord who created you, so that tells me right there that I was not an accident. I was not happenstance or even a surprise. I was created on purpose on Jacob. And he who formed you, hallelujah, oh Israel. So who formed me? We understand the science and we understand the physical thing that happens during reproduction. But God appointed that time. He appointed that seed to make you to come forth in this earth. He's saying, fear not. For I have redeemed you. The other versions say that I've ransomed you. You know, when you ransom something, that you give something of value over to get something back. So what he gave a value over is his life, is his blood, is his entire body to be broken and damaged and bruised and beaten beyond recognition just to get you back. Oh, Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have ransomed you. This is my favorite part. And I'm ending. I have called you by your name. And you are mine. Who you were at birth was not a mistake. It was not something that you can be fluid and change and move around. I called you by your name and you're mine. 
Everything about you I made on purpose, for my purpose. We are his workmanship, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 10. We are his masterpiece. We know the very familiar scripture in Psalms. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So every trial that you go through is actually a custom test for God to show you that he is the redeeming hero. He is the hero that ransomed his life for you, that bled out for you. And it's because he lives that we can face tomorrow. We are not going to allow what we're facing to be bigger than who has already overcome because he said be of good cheer fear not for I have already overcome the world don't forget about me remember thy creator in the days of thy youth bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits yes so we praise God because even when life and situations cause us to forget, and we, we, we experience a little bit of identity theft because, God, you said it, but I'm not sure if he's still standing there. And we have to wake up the word. We have to wake up the word. He's still on the ship, church. He's still with us. And I pray that this, this conversation blessed you this morning. I pray that this blessing, we can remember who we are and whose we are. We cannot forsake, we cannot forsake our identity in Christ. And when we forget, allow God to jog your memory. God bless you. God bless you. We thank you for your time and attention to this seed service this morning. We know that our bishop is going to bring the fire from God, from heaven. We thank God in advance for the visitation and the move of his spirit coming on today. Those viewing through social media, if you haven't cut the video off already, I want you to know that you are in for a treat because God is stopping by. God bless you all. Let's take this time to refresh ourselves, and we will meet back in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock for our morning worship. Amen.